Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden, and you're listening to Queer Stories. If you can spare a few bucks each month to help me continue to produce this podcast, please check out Queer Stories on Patreon and consider supporting the project. Also, follow Queer Stories on Facebook for upcoming events and pics. This week, Nadine Shamali is a writer, researcher and social worker. She's dedicated to creating and nurturing communities, facilitating discussions on identity, sexuality, displacement and representation, discourse she feels was missing from her own migrant upbringing in Australia. She's written for publications like SBS Voices, The Big Issue, The Guardian, and she's spoken at events like Melbourne Writers' Festival and Brisbane Feminist Festival and, of course, Queer Stories. This is her second appearance on this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this story performed at Brisbane Powerhouse in 2021. I'm uh, going to share some very Brisbane stories uh, about myself and my life. I became a teenager in the 1990s at a time where lesbians were routinely called dyke and the worst insult you could use was lemon. Women were just starting to come out and none of them were femme. In 1993, Melissa Etheridge professed that she had a female partner. In 1997, Ellen DeGeneres declared her lesbianism to Oprah and Katie Lang reclined on a barber's chair to be shaved by swimwear-clad Cindy Crawford. Even just thinking about that shoot. You are one or the other on the sexual binary. You like men or you like women. There were no out bisexuals that I knew of. There was nothing in between. The word queer hadn't been reclaimed yet. It was a word that was spat out as an insult. In Brisbane, if you are queer, I like to think that you're part of something called the big relationship. It is what every single person has been in at some point. It's this web of lust and loathing creeping across the great southeast. The fourth time I ever had sex was when I realised that I was fucking our whole city. (laughs) The person I had sex with was sleeping with a girl, one of our best friends. She was having sex with a guy I absolutely loved with all my heart, who I also went on to sleep with. And I was also sleeping with her. I think both the boys had slept with another girl, a girl whose little sister was dating the girl that I lost my virginity to. But at the time, she was dating a guy that years later went on to have a child with the girl from the original story. It was like the summer of love without the 70s, and it spanned years, so it was nothing like the summer of love. I called it the big relationship because we really did have this big love for each other and we were all fucking. (laughs) What better to accompany this than a soundtrack? So I'm going to present to you a few of my queerest moments as told to you by the soundtrack that was playing. The first one for the lesbians is Arnie DeFranco. In 1997, my strict Arab parents had banned me from hanging out with boys for fear I would lose my V-plates, become pregnant, ruin my reputation, shame my family, disappoint my elders, and inevitably ruin my life. I did end up doing all of those things at 40. Little did they know that they were creating the perfect little avenue for me to get my gay on. 
Penelope, who could very well be here, so her name isn't really Penelope because it's Brisbane, um, <laughs> was a year older than me in our first year of uni. She wore docks, cargo pants, tight bonds t-shirts, sleeves cut off so that you could see her appropriately furry little pits. She had perfectly appropriated dreadlock in her hair, just one, and she was obsessed with Tori Amos and would walk around campus clutching her acoustic guitar, ready to serenade any unsuspecting young virgin into removing their underwear. And boy, was she successful. She picked me up from my parents' house one balmy Thursday evening and we stopped at Macca's and had some cones, smoked from a Coca-Cola can with holes punched in it using my earrings. <laughs> Brisbane things. We grabbed fries but no burgers because we were blossoming young lesbians and had to keep as vegetarian as possible. We drove to the most romantic place Brisbane has to offer, the Kangaroo Point Cliffs. Penelope had a tape deck in her car, and just before she turned to me, she pressed play, and Ani DeFranco's Living in Clip came on. See how many other people have done this? I know. <laughs> I can hear you. There, overlooking the blinking lights of our tiny city, amongst the smell of drunken man piss, gazing upon the bridge that countless people have taken their life from, Penelope put her hands in my pants in the front seat of her burnt orange Datsun and I lost my virginity. Whilst you think that that may have been my most queer Arnie moment, it actually wasn't. It was in fact when she told me that she didn't see me in that way, that we were just friends. My teenage heart was devastated. It was actually the night that I sat sobbing, clutching her favourite drink, chamomile tea. Drenched in the smell of West End lesbian hippie, it's rose geranium and sandalwood, contrary to the belief that it's patchouli. That's northern New South Wales. Singing my heart out to untouchable face. And of course, those words. Um, I hate to say it, you're perfect together, so fuck you and your untouchable face. Something that we'll never forget as a young queer in the 90s. Years later, I still listen to that album and remember that time of my life when I wasn't emotionally literate enough to understand that sex and love weren't the same thing. The second one might come as a bit of a shock. Black Sabbath. Hear me out. I know. I just started seeing this white guy and he listens to a lot of heavy doom metal stoner type music and on our second date his YouTube playlist switches from the heavy sludge of the Melvins to of all things the Black Sabbath live album. Doesn't sound too queer I know, a white man, Black Sabbath pre um, sex, probably like the straightest fuck you can get on Tinder in Brisbane. <laughs> It was so typical, in fact, that I think my partner had his playlist planned out so that he could impress upon his dates an orgasm as track five peaked. <laughs> Side note, does anyone actually know, like, what I'm called on the internet? Like, what my nickname is? What? Daddy. There you go. <laughs> I'm Daddy. <laughs> this was the night that Daddy was born. We started making out and I was really feeling myself, like literally stopped making out with my partner and started feeling myself. I really wanted to fuck with him a little bit. I had this inkling that there was some sort of well-practiced routine, the rhythm of it all, the candles, an actual sheet on the mattress on the floor. It was just too fucking rehearsed. So I flipped it. I got on top, forced his arms down, pinned him, kissed him hard. I grabbed him and proceeded to grab a bright pink dildo from my bag. I fucked him with it 
Whilst performing upon him oral sex and aristi, and by track two, I'd thrown the dildo across the room and was in there with two fingers deep, like, yes, I want you to come, please, yes. And he's like, let me come. And I'm like, call me daddy. And it wasn't track five, it was track three. As Aussie yells, we love you, we love you all, my partner shook with such ferocity I thought he was having a stroke. We lay there afterward, exhausted, sticky, gross. He looked at me very seriously and I was a little worried. Had I crossed a boundary? Was the daddy shit a bit too much? Was he not ready for anal? Fuck, what about consent? It's 2021. Actually, it wasn't. It was actually 2019. And I mean, I kind of asked with body language, but you know, and he looks at me and he goes, babe, I like Black Sabbath. But even if we don't stay together... This moment needs to be memorialised on me forever because I don't think I've come that hard in my fucking life. (laughs) So a few days later, he got a Black Sabbath tattoo on his arm. And he's here tonight. And if you come over after the show, Daddy here will ask him to show you his tattoo because it's hilarious that Black Sabbath and I changed someone's life forever. The third song is The Cranberry Zombie. Okay. So I was a queer in the 90s, so it made total sense for this to be a song on my list. But in the summer of 2006, I went back to my homeland of Lebanon to visit my cousins, reconnect with my culture, escape my life failures. In my own culture, your entire identity as a woman was defined by your femininity. My aunts would tell me to never leave the house without lipstick or high heels if I wanted to be respected. Lesbians were never Lebanese. My Middle Eastern community was too conservative for me. My cousins lived at home till they met the person they were going to marry. I often sported blue hair, I liked heavy metal, and I ran away from home. They didn't understand my black boots, my love of music festivals, my obsession with foreign film. It was the women. None of the boys in my community wanted me, and I certainly didn't want them. Imagine my mind-fucking-blowing excitement, like earth-shattering brain bomb, when one night at the most boring normie club in Beirut, surrounded by women that looked like Jasmine from Aladdin, my cousin turns to me and says, fuck this place, we need some fag love. And look, it's a slur, Beirut 2006, and he was gay. Pass. He shoved me into a taxi, and before I knew it, he was shoving me back into what seemed like a bomb shelter. There, in the middle of a seemingly abandoned car park, there was a staircase. And at the bottom of that staircase, a huge metal door. I pushed open the door and was hit by a wall of sound. A bass line. Boom, 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 boom. Flashing strobe lights, so thick you could feel it in your chest, everywhere the eye could see, queers. It was the most gleeful thing I have ever seen or felt in my life. I was giddy and drunk and not just from the tequila. Every time I saw my cousin, I just screamed like, what the fuck is happening? This is Beirut, what the fuck? I danced and danced till everything hurt and suddenly the DJ started doing something with the music, building it up and slowing it back down again, controlling that crowd. The crowd that was chewing their faces off. (laughs) The music peaks in this crescendo and there's this loud bang. The lights went out 
and everything went absolutely silent. These were people that were traumatised by a war. The power would cut out all too often. The entire room was absolutely still. Sweat, heat, anxiety off the back of that elation of dancing hung in the air for what felt like forever. One, two, three seconds. Then the scream of Dolores screaming, zombie, 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 erupts and the lights flash and the whole banker goes absolutely fucking wild. The song gets mixed into some bananas baseline and the crowd just erupts into life around me. And I look around and everyone is kissing, jumping, hugging, humping, rubbing against each other in this mass of absurd humanity, lipstick, glitter, tequila, sweat, just passing from human to human. And just standing there in the middle is me, shaking, crying, absurdly terrified and excited. Lebanon for me had been home, but it had been a place I'd left during a war. My memories there were marred by violence, by terror, by religion and restriction. Never in a million years did I envision that there would be a bomb shelter full of queers off my head dancing to a techno version of an Irish rock song ten years after it was released. Watching people kiss and hug and hump and break every rule we had ever known in abject delight of flaunting our freedom and courage and survival in this willingness to love how and who we wanted. There are so many you. Thank you. It was pretty intense, like I've got to admit. And there are so many songs I can add to this list and you all have your songs. I could add Portishead, Bjork, Air, Sepultura, really. Biff Tech were this girl duo, part of Clan Analogue, that played right here in this very venue once when I was on a date with someone that was a love that taught me so much about myself. And I fingered her later amongst the Morton Bay figs that lined the playground <laughs> in the park outside. So good night, my sweet partners in the big relationship. I love you all. I look forward to fingering many of you to many soundtracks in the future. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out Queer Stories on Patreon, where you can support the project for as little as $1 per month. Follow Queer Stories on Facebook for news and event updates. It's been a weird couple of years, what with the pandemic and me becoming a parent, but I'm planning some big things in 2023 and I'd love you to be part of it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.